0: Let's hack the process together. Being a man in modern society comes with a lot of assumptions and negative stereotypes. Juvon Lankford took a look at his own struggles with finding a positive masculine identity for himself and made it his mission to help men identify with their integrated selves. Juvon currently runs a nonprofit that counsels young men in school and works as a men's empowerment coach, running events and working directly with clients around the world. In this episode... Javon will share how he turned his feelings of vulnerability as an abused child into an asset, how he trains his clients to choose and use affirmations even when they don't believe them at first, and how he identifies and connects with mentors from the past and the present as part of his personal development. Today, I'm speaking with Javon Langford, and he's a coach, and he specializes in men's empowerment. Javon, how are you doing today? I'm phenomenal. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. (laughs) You are phenomenal. You are doing so many different things. How do you describe the sort of work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, you know, I I would introduce myself as a men's empowerment coach, as a creative director, as a philanthropist. I essentially create content, community, and conversations that support men and women in breaking through their greatest challenges so they can live their legacy now.
0: That's a nice summary. You know, It breaks down into a lot of different specifics. I think you're running events, you're doing personal coaching. How do you divide your attention among all of these different things?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think when you're clear on the bigger picture, it's easy to break it down. I was told that if you can't break down what you do in a process, then you're not doing anything at all. So I've learned as a businessman to be able to structure, to have strategy, and to put in sustainability components so that everything does flow evenly. And you think about people... I've got four or five businesses. There are people who have 20. I don't know how they do it. I've got enough juggling just with the four companies. But it's essentially, I run a global personal transformation enterprise. And a lot of what we do comes in the form of three-day workshops where deep meaningful workshops with men, entrepreneurs and businessmen and really teaching them how to heal the broken places uh, within themselves and uh, really break through their conversations that are holding them back in their lives. I have an online academy called the Elevated Man Academy. It's, it runs online. So it's pretty powerful. It's a six-month experience where I bring guys through and really get clarity and really build their confidence in whatever area that they choose. And then I do a lot of work with young boys. I have a foundation called The Mentor where we do social, emotional and leadership workshops for young boys. And it's, it's really powerful to be able to have the dichotomy, right, that working with the young boys and then also working with grown men and really seeing what lives in the gap and how unfortunately a lot of our boys are becoming broken men based off of the systems and structures that are in place in the school and also in the home and so to be able to dive into that really support and raise the vibration of men is something i'm extremely passionate about men's health is extremely important to me we're, we're just challenged so many things until you've Probably experienced them yourself from depression, suicide, prostate cancer, diabetes, erectile dysfunction, cardiovascular, like lung cancer, there's just so many different issues in men's health. But my focus primarily is on the depression and suicide. I feel like there's a huge issue there. And what's underlying is that a lot of men, including myself, at some point or another, were suffering in silence. And so I'm, I'm here to really give men their voice back.
0: One of the things that just fascinated me about the work that you're doing is the way that you've chosen to focus on men. And, you know, it, it harkens back to like I'm, I'm thinking back in the 70s, the men's movement, and Robert Bly and all of that. I'm curious what inspired you to go in that direction?
1: That's a great question. It was never my intention, to be honest with you. It was not (laughs) something that I woke up one morning and said, oh, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, it's gradual. Everything's gradual. It's very organic. And my background is in sports and entertainment. I played basketball overseas in college and high school. And then I kind of took this curve and I was recruited to model. And so I did some modeling and, and commercial acting for seven years. And then it was just this invitation to go on this service trip to Dominican Republic that really shifted everything for me. It's usually being in a foreign country or in a different place where you have those heart-opening experiences where things just kind of shift and you question everything you've ever done and everywhere you've ever been and all the choices where you're finally away from everything that you're accustomed to. And uh, you actually get to breathe and be here now. It's just really to me. And I had some really powerful exchanges with young people on the island just sharing their stories and their experiences. And I got back on the plane and to head back to America, and I said, wow, I can either really really go back and just share how sad and the struggle that's happening here or I can actually do something about this in my own backyard. So I began working with young boys and doing, you know, workshops and trainings and just really gathering young men and creating safe spaces for them. And in the process of sharing it online, a lot of men reached out. And I realized, wow, the boys are becoming broken men, that there's so much pain that's happening, you know, behind the scenes that we're not discussing. We're not sharing about our, our lack of confidence. We're not sharing about our depression. We're not sharing about our loneliness because then we're seen as emotional. Then we're seen as, you know, not men. And there's this conversation that a lot of us find ourselves in. And I certainly did, you know, between being a man and then being good at being a man. And that's like a lifelong struggle for many men. You know, am I thin enough? Am I smart enough? Am I happy? You know, it's just all these questions that we internalize. And we often spend a lot of our time in our past. And it's important that men understand that you don't look backwards for guidance that you move forward and and learning how to navigate that is a challenge for many men and i feel that it's my duty and responsibility having broken through a lot of my own conversations and finally experiencing personal freedom for myself to really lean back and to extend my hands to
0: men who are, are willing to participate and really live on the other side of their greatest challenges it's interesting because I think in our society there's the assumption that men are coming from a privileged perspective, and you know there's that gender imbalance in wages and in other other forms of equity in society. How does that discussion around feminism and what you're doing come into play with what you're working on?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, you know I Last year, I, I facilitated about 16 workshops on four different continents and work with men, Canadian, African, Indian, Spanish, Latin. Like I've worked with Australian, like the whole gamut. And there are really four main issues that men struggle with, at least in my experience. And I think underneath those four experiences, we can dive into those. I'm, I'm happy to dive into those four pain points, if you will. Um, but underneath that is this fear of being feminine. And a lot of men are raised by single moms. They're raised in households where there's a father that's present, but there's no presence. And so a lot of men are being raised by women. And so there's this connection to that, but there's this fear of truly embodying that in the world. Because if I embody that, then I won't be like the rest of the guys. And so we hide from the feminine. Even though we're we're raised in a feminine cocoon, we go out into the world and we don't. we're afraid to flap our wings and to show our color. To show that there's layers and textures and color to us as men that we do love, that we do care, that we do want to be seen, listened to, and 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 to be loved. To be loved for who we are and where we are right now. But then we pretend. And, and that really goes into the, the pain point. So because we don't acknowledge the feminine, we don't acknowledge the emotion that's within us, we experience pain. And from my experience, the first pain that we experience is our, our feelings of inadequacy. We don't feel Adequate enough. I don't feel like I'm enough. And if you don't believe that you're enough, then you'll never have enough money, and never have enough love, and never have enough friendship, never have enough anything because you just genuinely feel inadequate in business, in life, and it's deeply ingrained. And it's something that we struggle with no matter what. It could be weight, it could be money, it could be whatever. what So many different things that we struggle with, but feelings of inadequacy. And what that leads to is the second pain point, which is the imposter syndrome. I call it the imposter syndrome. A lot of men are pain with being an imposter because i'm crushing it in my business i'm doing well i'm making six figures i have to pretend as if i have a partner so i'm posting photos with different females and I'm out drinking and i'm on the beach and my life is wonderful or i am in a relationship with someone that i love but i cannot provide for them i'm struggling financially i'm borrowing money and i'm pretending as if i'm i've got it together meanwhile i'm holding it together it's a big challenge for men and then the third pain point is I only feel significant when I'm in power or in control because I don't acknowledge my emotions. I make it everybody else's responsibility and I want to over control people, places, and things. And then ultimately, because we don't acknowledge the feminine, I think another thing we're challenged with is we're unable or unwilling to receive. And when we don't receive as men, right? We don't receive love. We don't receive connection. We don't receive finances. What happens is we break the cycle of giving. And because where it's easy to be unforgettable to somebody else, but to allow someone to be unforgettable to us is like a surrendering. It it requires the feminine. It's, it's a allowance. It requires the feminine. It's a, it's overwhelming for us because we don't know what to do with the emotion that arises within us. And so we shrink and we hide and we play small and we pretend and we numb ourselves out. And there's so many prices that we pay. And unfortunately, you know, what I see a lot of fathers out there who attend my workshops and trainings they don't take this on. They don't take it on and acknowledge it. And so they pass it on. They pass on the suffering instead of passing on the wisdom. And that's what we need to do in order for us to make multigenerational change. We got to pass the wisdom on.
0: It sounds like what you're talking about is the way that society has defined a lot of these positive qualities as being feminine and then sort of denied them to men. Absolutely. Your own background must have played into some, th- some of this, and you've had these experiences in your life. Was there one or more of these particular pains that was driving you forward when you started researching and working in this?
1: Absolutely. I'd say imposter. All four of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> I experienced all four of them. And there are days, honestly, where I do have those. I, I dive into them, and I'm, I'm living in that. And really am okay with that knowing that I'm in my process and that I'm working through some things. And that's a big thing. I think most men think that they can't be these things or they're not that both. And this word is both. And you can be, you can have a moment of pretending to be something you're not, or have a moment of depression or have a moment of just Feeling inadequate, it's just part of being human. But for me personally, I had a huge identity conversation and it made me show up as an imposter. And a lot of it's rooted in losing my father early on. My father passed away of leukemia at the age of four. My mother struggled with drugs most of my life. And so I was legally adopted at age four. And because of that, you know, not having the two people who brought me into this world, not knowing who I am, where I come from, and not knowing the stories behind the people who brought me into this world, it was like, who am I? If the people who brought me in the road didn't care enough about me to stick around, then why would anybody? You know, and so I pretended to be something I wasn't in many cases in relationship and friendship. And I was definitely afraid of men, not only because I didn't have my father in the picture, but I also experienced sexual abuse as a kid. Mm. And so between those two things, losing dad, and then, then the experience I did have with men being abusive, it was like, wow, I cannot trust men. In fact, if I connect with this gentleman in front of me, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to abandon or abuse me. And I can't handle either of those things. So I'm not going to connect with men at all. In fact, I don't want a friend. I don't want a foe. I don't want anything to do with any man. And so I ran most of my life from men. And the interesting thing is, right, in that fear, we find an outlet. We always find an outlet to protect us in mindless sports. And in order to play sports, I had to play with other guys. But the moment the game would end... I was gone. I would leave. I would leave. I'm David. I would leave, leave, leave the gym. I would leave the court, the track, the field because I didn't know how to be around other men because I was in a conversation that they were going to hurt me. They were going to harm me. They wouldn't love me. They wouldn't protect me. They would just leave me. That it was no. It was not worth my time, energy, or effort. And here I am today, a men's empowerment coach, holding space, creating workshops and trainings and academies for men to do the same thing. And why is that? Because I've learned that our greatest challenge is the same one that we're born to break through and then teach to others. And I've learned that this journey that I'm on is not about me, it's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than me. And so I'm willing and able to participate in my own rescue and then teach others how to do the same because I realized that there are a lot of people who are suffering as I was. And because I'm no longer in that space, I just feel so gifted to be able to, to create that for others.
0: It's wonderful that you can look into the face of your own fears and see in that the opportunity that you have to help other people through theirs. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's a universal experience that not everybody gets to that point. And am imagining that for you being able to recognize that, I mean, what was the emotional process that you went through when you were doing that?
1: Yeah. You know To be honest with you, I'm, I'm still in the emotional process. I'm still in it. I'm still discovering. I'm still learning as I go from country to country and from workshops to, to one-on-one coaching clients. I learned so much about myself and I've healed so many of the broken places within, so many of the homeless places. And I've learned to to simply make peace with the pieces of me. All of us have been broken and we try to get rid of the pieces. We try to you know sh- sweep them under the rug and pretend as if they're not there. And it's our job to pick them up and to put them back together in a loving and a compassionate and a graceful way so that we can go back into the war. We're all at war, but you got to fight the good fight. Fight the fight that's going to yield you the results, yield you the life that you truly desire to live. And my my emotional process is just trusting exactly that, the process, just trusting that everything that's happened is for the better version of me. Trusting that every choice that I've made is going to lead me to a greater good. And just shifting the conversation and constantly being in the process of learning who I am, accepting where I am, embracing where and who I'm becoming.
0: Could you take us through a little bit of that process that you've gone through? Because it takes a great deal of background and experience to kind of put together the business that you're doing and, and build that. But what career development did you go through in order to come to the point where you could do what you're doing today? That's a great question.
1: I, I Luckily, the woman who raised me, she is really heavy into personal development and reading. She strongly encouraged me to read books. So I've, I began reading personal development books, probably around the age of 13. I've just, I mean, from Robert Kiyosaki to Jim Rohn to John C. Maxwell to Les Brown. I mean, the greats, right? The the legends of personal development and listening to audio. And I was lucky to grow up in a a time and era where it was a digital mayhem where there's so much content and access to so many positive outlets from podcasts to YouTube videos to blogs and so many different news articles and, and publications that have supported me. And I've gone through a ton of weekend work workshops and doing men's work and personal development. There's so many things out there that really support us and shifting the conversation. I think a big part of it, in addition to all of that, perhaps the most important thing has been mentorship. I've had really incredible people in my life and I've found a way, and I think it's just a a part of of just knowing. It was this knowing that kind of lived within me. I wish I could claim it as my own and say, "I I did it. It wasn't me. It's definitely a higher power. Uh, But there's just this knowing that I needed to surround myself around people who would challenge me, people who had information, wisdom, knowledge, and a higher belief in themselves than I did. And just be in the vicinity, just be in the room with them, be in the car with them, be across the table from them, the people who were living the life that I desired. And then I would learn, it would get on me, it would ooze, it would drip on me, and I would begin to embrace Right? The goodness of the lifestyle, the mindset, the heartset that I desired. And that has made a world of difference to me. It's made a world of difference. And understanding that it's a choice. It's a choice to live the way we're living right now. If you're unhappy, you're choosing unhappiness. If you're confused, you're choosing confusion. If you are stressed, you're choosing stress that which we choose will only ever always choose us back. And so I've learned to choose positivity. I learned to choose love and deep and meaningful connection. I've learned to choose travel. I choose good eating. I choose health. I choose wellness. I choose books and I choose lightness. I choose fun. I choose adventure. And it all has chosen me back and that has made all the difference. And Choice is a fundamental power of the human experience. I think it, it should be taught in schools. Choice should be a, a course that is taught every year to kids and, and to really invite them back into themselves and to learn personal responsibility that we are choosing everything. You are choosing your experiences. We choose our relationships. We choose our food. We choose everything. It's all, it's fundamental. It's a choice. And at any given time, under all circumstances, you have the ability to choose higher. And that's been huge for
0: me. Well, I think I know who should be teaching that course.
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> as you can see, I'm very passionate about it. It's, it's something I just... I get excited about because it's so beautiful. You know, just a quick story. I was in Canada recently and I met a guy that was going to attend my workshop and he couldn't make it. And so I said, you know, I'll, I'll take you to dinner. I took him to dinner. I just felt energetic that I needed to be there with him. And he said, you know, my, I just found out that my wife cheated on me. and We're going through a divorce. He said, we've been married for 17 years and I, I feel like I'm losing everything. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And like the kid, we have two kids and my business. And he's just so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed. And I said, just stop for a moment. Just be here now. And I said, do you understand that you're choosing all these emotions that don't feel good? You're choosing all of them. What if this was an opportunity? What if everything that was happening was an opportunity for you to recreate, for you to restart, for you to reinvent yourself? And as I'm talking to him, you can just see his eyes beginning to boil up with tears because he hadn't even considered that being an option in his life, there wasn't even a consideration. He was doing what society told him to do, panic, put pressure, run, scream, kick, yell, become a victim quickly. He hadn't even considered it. And if you don't have people in your life challenging your perspective and inviting you to choose something else, it's a hard road. It's a hard road. It's a very challenging world. This thing isn't easy, but it can become effortless if we're conscious of the choices we're making. It can become effortless if we surround ourselves with people who will call us forward and call us higher. It can become effortless if we learn to make peace with the pieces of us, and it's a journey. It's such a journey, and it's a journey I'm still on. I haven't figured any of this out, but one thing that separates me from the rest is I am a willing participant, and I will practice until the calls come home, until pigs fly, until you name the analogy, I'm, I'm willing to practice. And that, that makes all the difference.
0: What's lovely about that story is this fellow came to you and he essentially gave you the authority in his life to give him permission to recognize that opportunity. And yes. he was able to accept it that way. Yes, permission. Yes. This thing about choosing your reality. I know that one of the things that you talk about is the, the importance of affirmations. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about that? Oh,
1: I can talk about affirmations all day and all night. It, it's been how, how I would describe it is it's almost like a, a spiritual flush, right? I remember when I was a young kid. I'm the oldest of 19 grandchildren, so I grew up with a lot of kids. I was always there's always a baby happening in the family, right? There's always a baby, and I would always love holding the little kids, and I was the big uncle or cousin, and it was amazing. And I remember I used to have to clean the bottles out. And when the, when the bottle finishes, I'm not sure if you have children or you have nieces or nephews in, in your family, but there's always film in the bottle, and you got to use that that brush thing that has bristles, and you put it in there and then you scrape, put a little bit of soap, and you scrape it. I think of affirmations as the scraper thing as a thing. It just gets all the things off the walls and affirmations is like, you know, you got to, we, we're so focused on our oral hygiene, but there's also a thing called the mental hygiene and affirmations help clean the mind. They help reset, reframe the mind. And for me, affirmations have become declarations that I've used to reinforce stories that do work for my life and support me in leading and living a life of empowerment. And so there, there are so many that I have. I just did a Facebook Live and talking about this. Opportunities flow my way endlessly and effortlessly. I am abundant. Only my good will come to me. Things as simple as that, just speaking that into existence. And a lot of times in the beginning, what's important to understand about affirmations is a lot of them, we don't believe them in the beginning. They're not meant to be believed in the beginning. They're things that challenge the existing perceptions that are not working for you. So we say affirmations until we do believe in them. And that's the key. That makes the difference. It's it's very important we understand that. It's not, oh, I say it and then money comes. No, you say it until it's embodied. You say it to embody these statements, to believe them, to shift your perceptions, to challenge your thought process, right? We all have a thought life, and the thoughts that are there many times do not work for us. They cause us to pay so many prices financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and we lose. We lose the war. We're winning a losing game because we're practicing what's not working.
0: I think a lot of people think about affirmations and they think that they're magical as if you're basically casting a spell and the universe is going to give you the thing that you're asking for. But I love the way that you position it. It almost takes advantage of our tendency to feel imposter syndrome and allow ourselves to say these things knowing that we don't believe them.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing. We already have a story in place, a story that's not working, right? A story that's manipulating us to show up a certain way. So if we're going to manipulate ourselves anyways, why not manipulate yourself and tell a story that's going to take you in the, in the, a little bit closer in the direction of where you desire to be?
0: What is your mechanism or process for integrating affirmations into a person's life? I'm, I'm curious, how do people actually go through that?
1: Absolutely. So I would say you begin with your greatest challenge. Like, what, what are you really, ch- what's the conversation that's holding you back in your life is the first thing I would ask a client. You know, what's holding you I just feel that I'm just, I, I'm not enough. What do you mean? Not enough where? Not enough when? Well, you know, me and my wife have been together now for, you know, four years. And I just feel like the, the sex isn't what I want it to be. I just feel like she doesn't look at look at me the way that she wants to. Okay, so then it's, is it her challenge or is this your experience? Has she communicated this to you? Well, no, she doesn't say it, but I can feel it. Okay, no, you can feel it. So that's your feelings, not her feelings, right? So that's the first step. So now it's your self-confidence, your self-image. Okay, so you don't believe that you look good. You don't feel that you look good. So let's make this personal, right? So I am not confident in my appearance. I am not happy with how I show up in the room. So these are the things that are not working. Okay, how do we manipulate that story? Let's manipulate that. Let's just flip the page, I am bold, I am beautiful, I am brilliant. Well, Joanne, I don't believe that. Perfect, but you are. But you are, and I need you to repeat this statement as often as possible as you can. Because until you believe that, your wife won't believe that either. Until you instill that and install and download this software onto your hard drive, it, you won't show up like that. The program won't work, your life won't work. Your life's not working because the software you've downloaded is malfunctioned. There's an infection, there's a virus, and it's not working for you. So let's try something that will. So let's write this statement out. I am bold, I am beautiful, I am brilliant in every room and every relationship that I show up in. I am bold, I am brilliant, and I am beautiful in every relationship that I show up in every room I show up into. Let's write that out. I want you to put that in your wall, in your bedroom. I want you to put it in your car, on the dashboard. I want you to put a notification on your phone every day at noon that it comes off and it pops up. And you reinforce that until you believe in that. Sometimes we need someone else to believe in us and our own belief in ourselves kicks in. And affirmations is a sure way that has supported me and many a client in really shifting their mindset and their heart set so they can step into the lives that they truly desire to live.
0: It sounds like something that also plays into a mindfulness practice. Yes. How do you integrate that into like the schedule of your day? I mean, is this just something that you say to yourself out loud, silently? What do you recommend people?
1: Well, because I am bold and I am beautiful and I am brilliant, I go all the way. I'm, I'm an extremist. Like I focus so much on the result. What I've learned is that the only thing that matters is the result. If I go through an experience or create something and the result isn't what I desired, that means that I was unwilling to go somewhere in that process. The result will always tell you how you chose to play. So with that said, I've realized that if I get to embody this, I need to go all the way. And so in my room, when I did, when I first started in Affirmations, the little sticky letters, the little black and white sticky letters, I would... Pilled them off and I wrote it out. I am abundant. Only my good will come to me. Opportunities flow my way endlessly and effortlessly. And I put them out there. And every morning I woke up, I saw it's the first thing I saw. And then once I embodied that, then I would do different things. I would do different things like put it in my phone and I would make a new affirmation. You know, so I am abundant. Only my good will come come to me and opportunities flow my way. Those were my first three, and I still embody, I love them. Why? I am abundant because I had a huge scarcity conversation. There was no money in the house. A lot of love, no money. So I had to manipulate myself and say, I'm abundant. I am deserve I am worthy of money in my life. Money in my hands is good for the world. Only my good will come to me. I thought my mom left me, my dad left me. Everything's happening to me. Why do I keep why does this keep happening to me? I was a victim. <laughs> so I had to say only everything that happens is my good. It's good. It's good. I just can't see it. I can't see it yet, right? Opportunities flow my way endlessly and effortlessly. I anticipate, I expect that people are going to call me and ask me to be on their podcast. I expect that I'm going to be invited on stages around the world. I expect to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I expect to be loved and embraced and received by everybody that I come into contact with. I expect it in my life, I call it in my life, I speak it into my life, and because I do, it chooses me back, that which we choose will always choose us back, be conscious of what you
0: choose is what I say. It sounds like speaking with you, you have, people have the opportunity to see a mirror of what they're what they're feeling and then get that reflected back to them so that they can formulate these affirmations for yourself though you formulated these inside your own head, I imagine absolutely how did you come to realize what were the places where you needed to focus for yourself? Cause I know a lot of people are out there thinking I, I could focus on any one of these different areas and I'm, I'm feeling insecure about all sorts of things. How do you know where to focus?
1: How do you want know to focus where it hurts the most? Mm-hmm. If you fall and scrape your knee, you don't grab your elbow. Very good point. Where it hurts the most for me, it, it hurt me a great deal being abandoned. It's something that still impacts the way I show up in relationships today because I still within me, there's a part of me that believes that, hmm, maybe I'm not worthy of being in a relationship. Maybe I'm, there's something about me that doesn't resonate with some people. Maybe I overwhelm some people. Maybe I, people don't like me because I'm tall or because I'm black or because I'm this or because I'm that or because I wear a hat and I wear green or I, you have all these conversations. It still is within me and you start where it hurts the most. start where it hurts the most, she's going to stop the bleeding, right? A lot of us ignore where it hurts the most. In fact, the greater the pain for most men, the louder the silence. We don't speak about it. Why are we struggling? Because we don't speak about it. We don't take it out the dark and put it into the light. The moment you take your greatest pain out the dark and you put it into the light, it no longer has any power over you. Pain only has power in the dark. Pain only has power in the dark. And it's so important that we as men... And women, this is for everybody, but you know, I work with men. And just to give you a little backstory, I work with men because I grew up with women. I have four sisters. I have four younger sisters, grandmother and aunt, lots of women in my life. And I feel that growing up in a household where men were spoken ill of. Men are bad. Men cheat. They steal. Like, that's, wow, They well, they abuse me and they cheated on her and they stole from me. like, men are no good. I don't <laughs> want to be a man. I don't want to be a man. I don't ever want to be a man. So I've broken through that conversation saying, okay, and in that, I just, I didn't know how to navigate that. I don't want to be like them. I grew up around a lot of examples of what not to be, and what not to do. So I was like, how do I do this? And it's still a conversation I'm in. Is like, am I man enough for this? You know, will they receive me? You know, I get asked to speak at the National Women Conference. Man, am I macho enough? I think, am I masculine enough? Are they going to receive me? Am I going to be, you know, I still have those thoughts that come in my head. It doesn't go anywhere. You just learn to work through it. And I say, nope, I'm not choosing that thought. I'm going to choose this thought. They love me, they chose me already. They know what I'm capable of. They know my story, they know my experiences and it's still being in that process and honoring it at every corner.
0: I love that you took the popular media's impression of men as being a negative thing and that that gets into our conversations and has for the last 50 years at least. And you basically pointed the light back at that and said, This is how I'm going to regain my own confidence in who I am. So I want to take you back to something that you mentioned earlier. You talked about mentorship and how important that was. I'm curious how you identified and connected with the mentors in your life.
1: It's such a good question. And I kind of go back and forth with this. I I feel a lot of it was choice. Of course, choice. I chose them for my life. I saw someone that I admired or desired to be like, and I created a moment with them. Learning how to create a moment and really one acknowledge them for how they've influenced your life in some capacity, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, financially, and then offer to be able to support them in some capacity. You know, what are you creating right now? How can I support you? And then develop a relationship, a genuine relationship from that space and trust that the tables will turn you'll be served by them in some capacity. And so that's one thing that I've learned to dive into and really to be able to capture a moment and to be able to pull someone in energetically just by being authentic and being in the moment with them. Most people are, they see someone that they like and they shower them with questions and they overwhelm them and they're not themselves. You become a whole different person when you connect with someone, right? Being yourself is the greatest gift that you can give anybody. And then I would say another part of it is sometimes mentors are not people. Most mentors are not people. The mentors are just books. Some mentors are the walk on the beach. Some mentors are observing a father and son playing at the park. Some mentors are movies, films, music right? It's not always a person. Sometimes you hear a song and it changes your whole perception on a topic or an issue. So be in the moment. Don't miss the moments. Create moments. We missed so many more moments than we're willing to create. And that is truly a challenge for many people. And I think if we can dive into that and embrace the fact that we're here to create moments, the mentors will find their way to you very organically.
0: I like that idea of looking at books as mentors because you know one of the advantages of being human is that we have the ability to communicate over time yeah. and across time and and to to share these connections with people yeah. who may no longer physically be around but their ideas are embodied in these books that they've sent out into the world. Yeah. I'm curious though about making connections with the mentors that you have connected with like you know who were some of the key mentors that have affected your life?
1: Man, a lot of the mentors that have come into my life have been standing in line at Starbucks and just feeling an energy behind me and saying, you know what, I need to connect with this person. I'm not sure who they are, and they becoming, you know, a, a global creative director and someone who's doing phenomenal work in the transformation arena. And we connect and have coffee, and then he invites me to his house to have dinner with his family, and then we become the best of friends and learn and grow from each other. Some of the best mentors have come from standing in line at the men's warehouse, and as a guy. Getting a suit in line with me and he acknowledges me for my hat or my, my clothes and we connect and he becomes the you know, find out he's a, an NFL news broadcaster works in entertainment and opens up many a door for me We become the best of friends and, and mentors so it's been very organic for me and in, in building those relationships I think some of the greatest mentors have come on time and in excellence. It's not always a conscious thing, but it's about being present enough to see the mentors in our life. Sometimes, like I said, it's not a person. Sometimes it's a child. Sometimes we're mentored by people younger than us, right? And sometimes we're attached to what mentors are supposed to look like and how they're supposed to mentor us. You know, there's something to learn from every
0: human experience. I love that. Opening up your perceptions like that, it really does require being very present. How do you stay so grounded and present in your life that you can really be available and aware for that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... These are such good questions. Let me just acknowledge you for these powerful (laughs) questions. Staying present and aware, it just goes back. I'm going to beat this thing with a bat. It's choice. I know. I have watched so many people miss opportunities. Family, friends, partners of mine have missed opportunities by just not being here now. And I've received too many gifts from being present not to be present. And just understanding that, wow, Not being present hasn't worked for me. Let me try something else. Let me style flex here and try something and just breathe. Something I practice often is breathing, is stopping to connect. If you notice when I'm communicating with you, there are moments where I just pause because I really am committed to this lesson landing for you. And when I was a kid, I talked so fast. I I missed so many moments because... Again, identity challenges, right? I just wanted to be seen. And when someone actually listened to me, I would talk, 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 fast, 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 fast and get it out before they left me. I thought they were going to leave. So I rushed in words, every word, it holds a world of its own. And if you use a lot, of wor- a lot of words, there's no space to connect. There's no space to see all the opportunities that are around you. So you say these affirmations, only my good will come to me. And the good's coming in, but you're using all these words and you're doing things to push it away. And you're sabotaging everything you're asking for in your life. And we do this. This is constant war, right? There's the outer war. Then there's the inner war. And how we show up on the inside is a direct reflection of our life on the outside. So I've just realized how many blessings, how many gifts have come as a result. And practice it through breathing. I practice it through meditation. I practice it through affirmations. I practice it through being genuine and authentic and, and vulnerable with my story and my experiences I laugh and joke, and I say, "You know, they just, so Javon. You know, what do you do for a living?" I say, "Vulnerability pays my bills. <laughs> it is. I, I'm willing to participate. Most people are not willing to publicize their process. Most people don't publicize their process. They just show the result, and that's it. My intention is to to share what I'm going through, and understand that Javon Lankford has not figured out this thing, but he's practicing and he's working hard. And I, and I my intention is for that to always be the case, so no matter how big I get, how big my audience gets, no matter how much money I make, but it's to always be here with people and to always invest and to know that I get to always take a seat equally as much as I teach other people.
0: Vulnerability is an incredible lesson and not not enough people get to the point where they can realize just how powerful they are in their vulnerability, how open that makes them and how much support that gives them from the world when they present themselves as real human beings. Absolutely shifts everything. And I love the fact that you're so comfortable sharing your process and, and what you've done to get to where you are. And you know, you've built up a huge business. You've got all of these different directions. What goes into the components of your business right now? And how do you keep all of that going?
1: Yeah, it's, it's learning how to build your team, 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 team is the biggest thing and surrounding yourself with people who complement your existing skill set. You know, A lot of people are really Analytical and they're good with Excel and word and typing stuff, and they usually need a creative in their life someone who can think at thirty thousand feet and so for me i'm a thirty thousand foot thinker, but I have a skill set of being able to come down here and be grounded, but I know that's not where I win that's not a war that I went off and I can be here, but it's not a war that I went often, and so I surround myself with people who are very analytical and are punctual and are the ground level, the people who could be in the trenches and work on my behalf and support me. So I have a really incredible team around me and it's growing, it's evolving. I don't just select people. I'm very selective with my choices and that's made a big difference. A lot of us, you know, life is like a team, right? Life is about building your team. And like any sports team, you're going to have trials. you got to allow, you got to be conscious of who you're surrounding yourself with because a lot of times it will happen, and this is very uncomfortable for people, but because we choose people who are unqualified for our lives, it automatically disqualifies us for opportunities in the world. So if we're not conscious of who's on our team, we may be losing. We may be losing and not because of us, but because of who we chose, because of mm. who we chose, because we weren't aware and we weren't present enough to choose people who are actually going to invest in the bigger picture of our lives, of their lives
0: and ultimately the world. Can you tell us a little bit about the the structure of your business, the size of your team, how it's organized right now?
1: Absolutely. So, I have two main hubs. I have two companies. I have a company called Choose Hire. In that company, we, ha- we do an online academy. We have uh, three-day weekend events, and then I do one-on-one coaching. And on the other side of that is my nonprofit, and we do programming with the school in Los Angeles. We work with about 600 male teens on a monthly basis, and we do monthly workshops with the boys on campus at the school. Those are my two legs. There's three legs under there, and as far as the team goes, I've got two assistants that support me. We have a production staff of about four people and a bunch of volunteers, and I have a couple of interns as well.
0: That's a lot of people to coordinate. It's a huge team to put together.
1: It is. It is. It's, it's great because a lot of the reason why it works is because outside of the business, there are team building opportunities. I really believe in getting to know the heart of people, so into a lot of the stuff. Being able to travel with the team and to be able to connect and learn on deeper levels, and that's... That's a big, big key for me is learning how to incorporate and infuse and inject fun into everything because business is business, right? But there's another component to that and understanding that this gets to be fun just because we're entrepreneurs and we're changing the world doesn't mean that we don't get to enjoy our lives. And so
0: scheduling fun support has been very supportive for the team as well. Is this what you envisioned for yourself when you put together this business? Is, are you where you thought you would be? It's so much better. I joke
1: and I say it's just gotten gooder and gooder and gooder every day. It just gets gooder and I learn. And, and don't get me wrong. I have days where I'm like, why did I choose this? And what am I doing? And what's the next step? I question it because it's, it's a journey of choices and everything I choose influences the next. It's an every choice has infinite consequences to it. And so being present allows you to make a strategic choice that will influence the bigger vision in going in the direction you desire. So it's so much better than I could imagine, and I know that it's been less than two years that I've been doing this full time, and so it's just been a, just such a blessing to learn and grow and be able to scale a business. And less about the business, the impact that's been created. You know, hundreds of men on four different continents have been through my training. I've coached so many business men and building businesses, creating businesses from the ground up, scaling businesses. They've quit smoking. They've healed their families. They've reconnected with their parents and. Just so much healing has taken place, and that's what excites me. That's what keeps this thing going. When I don't want to go, the stories keep me going, and that's that's why I love this work. That's why I'm so impassioned
0: by really empowering men and men's health. Right, and the passion absolutely comes through, and it's lovely to see the momentum that you've built behind all of this. I would love to take you back maybe two years ago, perhaps even earlier, is when you were just starting this out. How did you get to the point where you were able to build that tiny seed that has grown into what you've got today?
1: Yeah. Anybody who is like me, and they spent a great deal of their life being better than average, but not great at one particular thing. If you knew in your heart of hearts that there was more available, but you just didn't know how to access it. If you knew that you were here for something bigger, but you just couldn't quite put your finger on it, and you just needed a little more time to figure things out. There's just four words that have changed everything for me. And I realized this, luckily, at the beginning of building my business. Four words that have influenced the direction and the depth of my life, have influenced my finances, that have influenced the relationships that I've attracted into my life. And just just, just these four words, they're so simple, but put together just right, they make a world of difference. They've changed the entire scope, entire trajectory of my life. And it's learning that it's not about me. The work that I'm doing The impact I'm creating, although my name's on it, although it's happening through me, it's not about me. It's not about me. And I I get that. Not only do I know that, but I've embodied that. And when you come into a room, into an arena that's selfless and allow, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't know what the next step is, even when you feel like giving up, even when you you feel like you don't know when there's too much money to spend and not enough money to spend, because that's the journey that we've chosen as entrepreneurs, is trusting the process and knowing it's not about you. Just surrender to this moment. Just allow this moment to be what it is. Don't make up any story about it because it's good for you. It's good here. And being, honestly, slightly delusional in many cases, (laughs) because that's what this journey requires of you as well, it's just really alleviate a lot of the pressure and the pain that most entrepreneurs are experiencing by knowing that it's not about me. Knowing it's not about me, you'll know that you're always protected. And you understand it's not, not about you, you're always cared for. When you know that it's not about you, you go where people stop. You continue when people stop. And you know it's not about you, you make choices that baffle the masses. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trusting, that's what I'm stepping into. And I knew that at the very beginning of this journey as becoming an entrepreneur, it landed for me. When it landed, I said, okay, I get to trust. And I've never trusted, I never loved, never been so happy in my life.
0: It sounds like a formula for dealing with disappointments when they come up because it allows you to detach yourself from your attachment to those outcomes. 100%. What disappointments have come up along the way? I'm curious, were were there places along the way as you've been building this business that what you were hoping would happen didn't happen and how did you deal with that?
1: Every day, every day, there are moments. And how I choose to deal with that is by changing the story Changing the story has made all the difference. And what I mean by that is just reframing, right? Because we always tell stories, but it's important to tell stories that support you and serve everybody else in your life. And so when I'm anticipating to speak at an event and it falls through or work with a client or you know, edit a video or, or just something simple, I say, you know what? I get to trust the process. I get to move on. I get to move forward with that which moves forward. And it's, it's trying... Absolutely. But it's, there's nothing greater than surrendering and
0: moving forward with the things, the people, places, and things that move forward. So you've got a lot going on. I'm curious what your personal routine is like. How do you organize your day and get, keep all of this going?
1: Yeah. You know, honestly, day to day, my, my day to day looks so different. There's some days where I take off and there's some days where I'm back to back on calls, on podcast interviews, on coaching sessions, on just, <laughs> errands right just general the, the, the regular errands going to the cleaners and getting a haircut you know and, I, and what I've learned is to have boundaries boundaries have been a big thing so the greatest key or, or gift if I can give one tool that's really worked for me is creating boundaries and for me I don't work before 10 a.m and I do not work after 4 p.m I make it very clear that those are my those are the six hours a day that I work and I fit everything into that and before 10 a.m is for me so yoga or I'm going to the gym, cooking breakfast, I'm reading a book, Watch catching up on a TV show or a series that I like, or watching a movie. I don't do television. I do movies and maybe some TV series on Netflix, but my day to day looks very different. But I do a very good job of scheduling within that. And my evenings are for myself for connecting with friends, reconnecting with family, you know, going for a walk, going to the beach. I love the beach, going to the beach and really taking care of myself, self care. I can show up powerfully between 10 and 4
0: because of how I show up before 10 and after 4. It's it's wonderful. Do you have a particular routine that you follow in the mornings?
1: Not particularly. When I wake up, I breathe deeply.
0: I do some deep breathing
1: exercises because I was told it's very important to fill our lungs with air. It's one of the things that we don't do. Our lungs don't get enough air. So men's health being the first, very important to me. I'm always conscious of my body, how I'm sitting, my posture and stuff. And so when I eat a healthy breakfast, I love sweet potatoes and I love egg whites and I love spinach for breakfast, quinoa. And I eat pretty clean throughout the day. But morning routine, it, it's just breathe is the biggest thing. Brush my teeth and just get prepared for the day and set out things. One thing that I do do is it's kind of funny. But when I wake up, I used to have my affirmations on the wall. But now that I've embodied them, I, I've cleared the wall. It's a white wall. And I always say this like, in the morning. I, I hear the universe say, can I take your order? So I put in an order every morning. Okay, today I would like to... <laughs> And then I just put stuff out there. And sometimes it's funny. Some of the things just actually come in a new client or a new opportunity or a vacation or, you know, just meet a cool person or just reconnect with an old friend or, you know, I just put it out there. And so I I, I see that happening up there. But it's all choice. It all comes back to choice. We have to choose how we want our days to look, our mornings to look. And we're going to do what works for us. I joke and I say, my morning doesn't matter as much as your morning matters to you. Because I could drink milk and go for a run, and you could be lactose intolerant and have one leg. And my morning routine wouldn't really support you, right? So I think you got to find a routine that works for you. And so often we get caught up in the comparison conversation. Well, Gary Vaynerchuk does this, and John C. Maxwell does this, and Oprah does this. And then we got to do what they do, and our life isn't working. And we're like, why isn't this working? It worked for her. It worked for her because that's her routine, not yours. So I think find a routine that works for you. Find a tribe, a community, friends that work for you. Find an opportunity, a realm, an arena that works for you. Find love that works for you. This is about you. This is about you. About building yourself up so that you can show up as powerfully as possible so that the universe, so that God can do some work through you. So much is happening through us. Right? We're focusing on all that's happening to us and not what's trying to be ha- not not what the universe is committed to is working through us.
0: That's a very powerful message. I think that there's a, a strong tendency to want to put our icons up on a pedestal and then try to imitate them in our own lives. But it's not necessarily about what would work for us. And embodying that is, is sounds, it's very core to your message. Yeah. I'd love to let my listeners know how they can find you online, how they can reach out to you. Absolutely.
1: I live online at javonlankford.com.
0: I have a phenomenal
1: YouTube series where I put up original content up weekly called Thought Life Vlog youtube.com forward slash life vlog. And if you're in any of the countries that I go to, the UK, Australia, North America, would love to have you come out to an event, of men, any men that are out there listening to this podcast and this this, this content resonate with you, I'd love to connect with you and invite you to join the community. And I'm online, I'm everywhere. Just Google me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Javon Leifert, and would love to connect and, and to share more time, energy, and effort with you.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to share your message with the folks who listen to my show. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much. Absolutely, I appreciate that, brother. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening.